ever thought there should be a book club for movies? We're your new favorite pod. Never doom scroll a streaming service again and end up not finding a single thing to watch. Every month we'll pick a genre or topic and choose movies that are streaming across platforms to watch and talk about. Also, all movies can be drinking games, right? Join the conversation in the next meeting of the Monthly Movie Club Podcast. Welcome to the latest meeting of the Monthly Movie Club. I'm your host, Jen, here with my co-host, Mario. Hello. This month's topic is disaster movies. Bum, bum, bum. Again. <laughs> and this week's movie was The Quick, directed by John Andreas Anderson. It's a Norwegian film and a sequel to the 2015 movie called The Wave. It's all the same characters. It's a sequel. The Wave has to do with a giant landslide that causes a tsunami and a fjord. And then this one's about a big earthquake that's going to destroy Oslo. The synopsis for this movie is from the people that brought you the hit thriller The Wave. This action spectacular forewarns a new catastrophic disaster when the city of Oslo is threatened by a devastating earthquake. Norwegian with English subtitles. That's the description that's on Hulu. And that's where this movie is streaming on. It's on Hulu. And yeah, get your reading glasses going because, you know, no dubbing on this one. It's, it's in Norwegian and you got to read your way through this movie. You know, I prefer the subtitles. I think we've gotten used to it with the kids. Yeah, you know, we can't watch movies asleep. too loud yeah. anyways. Yeah, so I think I've gotten used to it. I'd rather read the subtitles than to have the, the dubbing with the lips like not matching on a character. Okay, so the worst part the is the worst part is because we do usually keep the subtitles on when it is a foreign film and the dubbing doesn't, doesn't match, match the subtitles. The, yeah. <laughs> so the words that you're hearing from an English voice actor are completely different than the subtitles. That just drives me nuts. But yeah, this movie it's a sequel, so we're picking up from, you know, a couple years after. And we have our main cast of characters, a lot of them from the first movie. Um, we have Christian, who's the main scientist. He was the main geologist in the, in the first movie that was, you know, telling everybody, trying to warn everybody, but it just wasn't working. He's the dad. He's the dad. And his wife, Eden. And then he has a daughter named Julia who plays a bigger role in this movie and his son, uh, Sondre, who was big in the first, had a bigger role in the first movie. But in this movie, he's older. He is in what looks like he's like in the university or something. So he's kind of away. He's, he, he shows up just to, for consistency sake, I guess. Um, and then we meet an, a new main character, um, Marit. And she is, the daughter of a scientist colleague that uh, Christian has, and he meets her because of because of the the fact that this scientist like was like he was the other only other person that was like, "Look, this is going to happen, and I know you're going to believe me." So he sent him all the all the evidence and stuff. And so when he finally went to go check it out, um, he learns that he passed. And he meets his daughter, you know, getting ready for the estate and all that. But she becomes a pretty major character in the movie. So 
She's pretty helpful, actually. Yeah, she is. She doesn't, she's not like a, she's not a throwaway character. She, she's not a, she also doesn't feel forced character for like a sequel. Even if you haven't seen the original movie, I do like that this movie takes cues from the original, but they actually do a really good job, I think, of recapping who everyone is, what their relationships are, where everybody is currently, because it's different than the, you know, uh, relationships that they had when the first movie happened. Um, So you can pick this movie up completely independently. You don't need to watch the first one. This movie picks up uh, after the events of The Wave, and it opens with Christian doing these like TV interviews because he is the guy that saved everyone. He's the hero. He's the hero, yeah. But you see the kind of mental toll that it's taken on him. Like he feels almost responsible. So you see him just kind of like, like stressed out about everything. And his wife is there trying to help him. And, and he goes on, he starts talking about like the disaster and everything like that. But you can see how it was taking a toll on him then. And then we flash forward to present time, which is like a year or so later. And then he's just a wreck. <laughs> it's really hard to watch him because it's clear that he has like PTSD from this tragic disaster. Yeah. I mean, the first movie is totally a disaster movie because there's, you know, hundreds of people that die. It's this tsunami that, that wipes out a town. So. But he just has this like incredible burden on his shoulders that he's he feels responsible for. So it it is kind of hard to watch his character. Yeah, it's very much the the like the chicken little sky is falling, but nobody's believing him. So he feels responsible. Like he's like I should have done more to convince people. Which, you know, spoiler warning: that's exactly what's going to happen here. He's going <laughs> to try to warn everybody. Nobody pays attention. <laughs> um. So yeah, and then you know. We we start seeing these hints where like okay he's by him this beautiful Norwegian countryside, but he's by himself in this tiny little cabin, and so his daughter comes to visit him, and she's just she's the cutest little big girl, right? Like she had to grow up because of the fact that her dad is they're not divorced, they're just separated at the moment, and but she's had to like grow up. So like when she comes to stay with him. She, he, he's a mess. He can't, like, he barely makes some eggs and he, like, cracks the shells in them and all of that. Um, His house is a mess. Yeah. But when he wakes up the next morning, she's tidied up. She's made him coffee or she reheated the coffee. It's really cute. So cute. But I think that's also the thing that kind of freaked him out and got him like, yeah, no, you, you gotta go. I, I can't take care of you. I'm, I'm not the right person to take care of you right now. Props to him for recognizing that he couldn't care for her at the moment. So he had to send her home to her mom because it could have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. It been much worse. Yeah. He could have, he could have started spiraling and then it would have been a lot worse. Yeah. But in that kind of beginning, you know, the, the daughter sees she, she's, I think a little too young to understand why his, why her father's like that, but she slowly is understanding. And then she sees that like, giant wall of missing people and and he freaks out i think you know that 
plus her being such a having to grow up so fast is what kind of pushes him a little bit too far. But yeah, the, and then, you know, we, we start setting up a lot of the movie after that, but I still want to, if you have claustrophobia, this movie, <laughs> there's one set piece. They, they go to this location multiple times throughout the movie. It's the tunnel, the, the, the big tunnel where like the, the earthquake starts to happen, the cracks start to show. This beautiful, big, wide tunnel, yet, you know, when you go through the access door, all of a sudden it's this super narrow, dark, claustrophobic-like space. And it just, as soon as I saw it, I freaked out. I was like, oh God, oh God, don't walk there, don't walk there. I actually wrote down in my notebook, because the door that he goes through is door N, letter N. And I was like, N is for nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, do not enter. (laughs) Yeah, so like the first time we see it, it's the main scientist, the 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 one who's the one who's finding the evidence for the earthquakes right now. You see him going in there, and then that sets him up for perishing. But then, you know, it's it, he's like squeezing through this little narrow cavern between like between like the tunnel shell and then the wall, and then there's this like crack, and you're like, okay, look, if you're boring a tunnel underground and all of a sudden there's this giant crack heading off like perpendicular to you that's not good right (laughs) it's a sign something's going on so all of oh geez it like freaked me out and then you know it it sets up him dying and, and the kind of beginning of the tremors and things like that and you know christian starts to get starts to pull up all the paperwork and stuff like that and he starts to see all the evidence and all the points and I think this is around the point where he just like, he's like, oh, so fuck me. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, oh, nice to know that the expression of fuck me is universal. It, it transcends language. Everybody knows. <laughs> so now that his daughter, Julia, has gone home to her mom, her mom mentions to Christian that Julia has a ballet recital. You know, and she invites him because she knows it's important to Julia. And um, Bill is so distracted with this situation because he has this gut feeling that something is wrong. Everyone else is just going about their day. And Eden takes Julia to her ballet recital. And this is actually the first part of the disaster when we first see some kind of destruction because of these, I guess, four shocks or? Yeah, four shocks. Yeah, there's, there's four shocks. Then there's the earthquake, and then there's aftershock. So, yeah. Yeah, because this one I wouldn't say is the quake. This one is the foreshock, right? Yeah. So, they're inside this building, beautiful, very big building, where she is performing. Eden is outside and talking on the phone, and she... Because Christian, Christian promised that he was going to be right. there, right? And it's one of those things right now where it's probably one of the reasons he's estranged, or they're, estr- they're, they're separated, is the fact that he's not, he's, he's suffering so much from this PTSD that he's, he's not able to. He's not present. Yeah, he's not present. And so, you know, he's, he's back now and she invited him to the ballet. He said, yeah. And then he decides to go look at some core samples, <laughs> go do some science stuff. Well, 
The disaster starts. We get that foreshock. Things are trembling. The building, there's almost like there's a crack in the ground, right? Yes. It's clearly an earthquake. So Eden goes running back into the building. And this is the part that gets me. Everyone is running out of the building. But because her daughter's still inside, she's the only one running in. It's a mama bear situation. But she finally gets her gets a hold of Julia and she gets out. And of course, Christian shows up, but he stays to figure out what's going on with the earthquake. <laughs> yeah. He does have a line later on when he's trying to explain to Marit why, why he is the way he is and why her dad was the way he was. Because she mentioned how like he was distant, that he wasn't really a dad or something like that. But it's this overwhelming sense of the way I can protect you is I protect everyone. And I look at all of these and I have to keep studying these things because I know that there's going to be something and I need to be able to protect everyone. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's the thing where like, they're like, I know you tell me that like, it's like, Oh, you, you know, my mom loves to cook. So when she cooks for us, like that's her love language. That's her showing us how much she cares in her way. Right. Shout out to Lala. <laughs> hey, Lala. And so for these two guys who are geologists, they dedicate their lives to these seismic events, and that's how they protect their family. They might be distanced from them because, you know, X, Y, Z, they're just probably not that, that in tune with, with what they need. But they know that if they do their job right, they can keep their family safe. And they can warn everybody and keep their family safe and things like that. So I think that's why it's hard to watch Christian. You know, he shows up to the, to, to the ballet, the, the opera house. They've already left, right? They, they went back home. But instead of leaving right away, he decides like, oh, I'm going to stay, especially because he sees his friend from like the company. I, I did write, um, I don't know about you, but but... I would think that a core sample is already pretty fragile. And so he's claiming that the core samples are fragile. I know he's claiming that it's like brittle and all too of this fragile. Stuff, like too fragile, but still a core sample, I would imagine that like would still break. Yeah, that's true. He's still shatter if you threw it on the ground. How'd so, you know though? Have you seen one? No. no. <laughs> I'm not that type of I'm not that type of scientist. <laughs> I didn't know you were scared about the, like a phobia, claustrophobia. It's not that I'm claustrophobic. It's that because we both love watching movies so much, I know I, one of the reasons I love watching movies is that idea of escapism, of, of putting yourself in, in the movie, in the story, not necessarily, you're not a passive watcher of this thing. Like, a lot of times you feel or like you get the emotion from the movie or whatever. And so like, you know, when you turn around and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not crying. It's because I'm, I, I feel that I'm like in there. Right. Okay. And so when it comes to things where, especially when a good director mm -hmm. gets that shot that makes it feel claustrophobic, mm -hmm. I'm going to start feeling a little claustrophobic. Right? Like, like if they set it up correctly, with the framing and with how narrow it is and how dark it is to the sides and all uh -huh. that. Yeah, I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel that squeeze. Same thing of like when you 
when you see a movie like in the ocean or something like that and like they the the character has to go underwater you kind of semi hold your breath too you know <laughs> and then it sucks because it's not in real time like they're holding their breath for like 30 seconds but like in the movie it's cut to be like a minute and a half long and you're just like you know but it's that same kind of feeling of like when that happens you're going to hold your breath and so when this kind of very narrow claustrophobic thing happens like i'm going to feel claustrophobic and i will get the heebie-jeebies and i will get the <laughs> oh god this is gross so it yeah i think that's more what it is it's not okay. necessarily claustrophobic but yeah because you never had that problem before well, good that the director was on point. Yeah. I think overall the movie shot really well. It does have a very kind of neutral like palette to the whole thing. The whole look is very kind of cool and like flat. I have a feeling that's like any image or thing that I've seen of like Scandinavian countries, it's like, yeah, it's cold. Um you know, there's there's going to be snow. There's going to be points in in the year where the the sunlight's not out very long, and all of that stuff. So, like, it just kind of feels the right way. It doesn't it doesn't quite feel gray and gloomy, but it's like leaning towards that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think overall, it's just like it was shot really well. A lot of the a lot of the setups, a lot of the shots, a lot of the scenes, a lot the of the stunts, the stunts, the, the CG, the lighting and everything like that is just done really well. So like I feel like it's it's I feel like it puts you in the space where you want to be and feel claustrophobic, right? Or feel that sense of danger and you're not going like, oh God, that CG looks complete shit and like it takes you because i know for you it takes you out super easily right as soon as something looks fake cg yeah, yeah i'm done but i'm i have a bigger tolerance for that so i let it go a lot how how i think you it should be the opposite you should have the eye for that so you should be like oh dude oh i see bad. i see it most of the time i mean i hard to admit but i didn't see like the the in the new in Rogue One, when they did Tarkin, when they had like CG'd his face, I just thought they got an actor that looked like him. I didn't realize that it was a CG face, but it was also because they cut to it really, really short. It was the like one scene where they had him really long, where you're like, "Oh yeah, ugh, that face is so rough." But I think because I get so engrossed in the story, and that's what I'm watching this for, that I can let go of certain inconsistencies make forgive forgive let go whatever as long (laughs) as long as the movie is putting me in the intended kind of emotional state because of the story then it's doing a good job you know it's it's like when i when i tell people at work or or like in in whatever kind of side things we're we're working on if we're asking for help on like creative ideas and things like that. It's like, don't worry if you don't consider yourself a designer or anything like that. An idea can come from anywhere. And as long as you can communicate what you're trying to say, you don't have to know how to draw it. You don't have right. to know how to build it. You, if you can communicate what the story is for what you need to do, then you've sold what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You can figure out how to do it. Or you can figure out who to help you to do it. 
But if you don't have that story, then you don't have anything, right? So, yeah, I think overall, I do feel that a lot of the stuff in this movie is set up really well. I think it is set up really well, especially our big destruction. Yeah, the the build up to the like mega destruction is it built up it it builds up so well and so slow. Yeah, the slow build up of like okay, yes, the 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 earthquake at the at the opera house was pretty big and you the the floor cracked and all of that stuff. And you you see like the power outage and all of that, which is freaky on its own just to see like a whole city actually go dark. But then later on in their apartment, the power goes out. Uh, they go down to the basement and then they see a bunch of rats running. And they've already established in the movie the kind of use of the rat as like the canary. So the fact that they're running away, you're kind of like, you're waiting for something's wrong, but nothing quite happens yet. You know, I took that scene, the scene where um, Eden and Christian are trying to uh, fix the power outage in the building or in their apartment. Um, the way I saw it with the rats is that they kind of had like a flashback of the scene in the wave in the first movie with their son and their daughter there. You know, it's kind of like a, a shock, an emotion that they feel at the same time because it is a dark basement with rats running around so i didn't actually think of what you had said that the rats are like the canary for for gas right that's a good a good idea too mainly because i didn't make the connection i didn't make the connection to the wave because i forgot the wave <laughs> like i i know the premise of the wave and and i remember watching it and everything and it's good if you get a chance that's a bonus movie to go watch but because it was years ago that we've seen that movie. And it was years ago that we saw this movie. We were just rewatching it again for, for the podcast that I, you know, there's a lot of details of, of the wave that I don't remember. This, this scene in the wave, I do remember specifically. And it was more of, I think the surrounding just gave, gave you a hit of emotions. So I think that's what happened to, to Christian and Eden in that moment. But yeah, yeah, there was just, it's just like that very slow buildup of everything, right? And then we get to like the third act. We get to things for Christian finally clicking. And he knows it's coming. He knows it's coming because he's like, the water is spurting in the in the in the room or in the apartment. There's gas coming out. Now he's putting together the the reason why the the rats were there, the canaries. Like everything starts to fall into place into his head and he's like, holy crap, it's going to happen right now. Like, and so he, you know, grabs his daughter. He's like, we got to go, go get my wife. They have a son. He tries calling his son, telling him to get out of the place. His son's like, nah, it's fine. He's overreacting. Um, Just for a little bit though. Just for a little bit. Because it, because he kind of has that eerie feel, feeling too. He starts to get that eerie feeling too. But he still stays or he couldn't he basically it happens what happened to his dad. He got up a little too late, tries to warn everybody, nobody wants to believe him, and then the earthquake hits. I don't remember when Marie did she show up to the apartment or did they drive over to get her or something like that? But she had the car and so they start driving off to where Eden works. The hotel. The hotel. And then she has one job. 
you know, he goes up there. He's trying to get Eden so that they can leave. Um, Married. Marit has one job. Marit has one job, and she fails spectacularly. Like, <laughs> all she had to do was keep Julia in the car, and she manages to get out. And then she does like the, the like sly, like really evil kind of like, because it's a glass elevator, right? And so you see her going up, and then Julia has this like really creepy, creepy yeah, just a kid staring at you. Yeah. yeah, it was very much a, I'm gonna kill you next. Um, but I think the the like this is where the like the oh shit mega destruction starts to happen, right? And so far we've been building up little by little by little, and then now you get that sweeping shot over Oslo, and you see the like ground just start buckling and like rippling because of this giant earthquake, and you're like, oh god! That's I know crazy. it's devastating, but that shot was really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. yeah, it was done very very well, and. Yeah, I think just the 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 kind of total destruction or the complete destruction of of the city from the earthquake is is amazing. You start seeing buildings toppling, all of that stuff. It just it makes you feel like this place is is gone or leveled or or whatever. Uh, but then <laughs> you get the like one building like knocking into the other, and you're like, oh man, oh like that's just kind of like. The building just went like, ow, bent like, <laughs> over, which sets up the whole, you know, last scene of like them being in the bar upstairs. She had to work on like the top, like in the penthouse. She had to work there. But yeah, like as soon as that earthquake hits and because they saw as the doors closed, they saw Julia walk into the penthouse or the, the bar up there. And then the earthquake hits. She's. They're like stuck in the elevator and then she goes full mama bear. Like she starts going like, we need to get out of here. And, you know, the building topples over all of that stuff. And then we get like Julia pulling off her Jurassic Park three on the glass as it's cracking. Was it Julie, Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore. Coincidence. Julia and Julianne, Julie. Julianne Moore. That's, <laughs> they played the long game. They named her Julia in the first one because they were going to go Julianne Moore in the second <laughs> Uh, that ledge when i saw the ledge i i like actually said ew <laughs> the ledge when when christian walked down there and he's like walking on the ledge oh yeah that's, yeah, that's it's, like, like a, it's like a third of his shoe and he's like trying yeah, to, i guess that's how you felt in the cave <laughs> yeah see that one not so much i guess i guess the the fear of falling through that, not so much, but the, the cave claustrophobia is what got me. Well, I'm afraid of heights, so mm. that's yeah, that's my that's my reasoning for that ledge. Okay, so what do you think is scarier? Being on this top of top of the hotel that's probably what like 27 20, floors, yeah. 20, 30 floors that's bent over and you're doing your Jurassic Park three glass cracking under you. Or being in the scientific van that's hanging over a cliff with two T-Rexes outside. Scarier, I would say the building. That's really high up. I already have a, I already, well, I guess. Well, I mean. In, I guess in, over the cliff, that's pretty high too. Over the cliff too, it was, a it was a giant cliff like down into the ocean. Right? It was like yeah. rocks. So either way, it's not a good fall. No, it's not. Oof, that's a hard one. In one scenario, you have your dad. Your dad's not going to let you go. 
Dad's going to take care of you, right? But in the other scenario, you've got Jeff Goldblum. That's what I'm saying. I'll let you go. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Hard one. But yeah, the, the, the walking on the tiny ledge and everything. And then the, the having to like use the bar stools and everything to like climb their way back up this incline. So freaking stressful, right? <laughs> what and a great like, scene. Things kind of like following at you. It kind of, you know, now that I think about it, it kind of reminds me of Ka, the Cirque du Soleil show where the like stage like flies up and then they're right. doing a bunch of like acting and like aerial things like on a rotating stage, like in the middle of the air. Yeah. And then as like these like stunt actors and, and acrobats and stuff are like performing step performing their, their stunts. They fall off like one by one. It's right. Like sliding thing. Yeah. I remember that. It's like pegs or something. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's very much this like you're on an incline and you're trying to jump from like thing to thing and trying to get yourself back up. But yeah, it's, it's it's really intense. The thing we didn't mention though, we kind of skipped over is after Eden going full mama bear, she unfortunately it that like that one got me too because I was like, oh, she almost made it. Like she she was getting out of that elevator. She missed the falling elevator and then and then the counterweight came and like sideswiped her. There was no way she was gonna make it, dude. She was like she was basically ripped in half. And she kind of made the jump. There's no way. <laughs> I can see it in her eyes. She knew it. She knew there was no way. She knew it, yeah. Oh, poor Eden. So, I mean, overall, movie is really great. So, I think at, out of our rating scale, I think our, our disaster movie rating scale was holy craps. So, what would you give this? I give it a five. I think it had I think it had a really good area of mass destruction. It didn't have to be a world a ending. world ender, yeah. yeah. It didn't have to be any kind of like type of life ending on earth or anything like that. But I think for this area there was a, a lot of destruction and I, I really liked the the graphics. Yeah. I, I thought it was done really well. Yeah, I agree. I'd give it a I'd give it a five holy crabs. It's it's like you said, a, a disaster movie, and I think I mentioned this on the last one, was it doesn't necessarily have to be a world ender, but you want mega destruction in a disaster movie, right? It can still be a localized disaster, but it needs to be like big. And the fact that this like essentially leveled Oslo, you know. And it like it was huge that like we said that flyover, as soon as the the big one hit, was pretty incredible to see. I think that automatically just gave it a totally a five out of five, and hits all the markers because you get a nice slow build up to that third act, and the entire third act is destruction, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of what you see in any movie is like all the climax and stuff happens in the third act. But yeah, I think it was done really, really well. And so kind of moving on with our little topics here, I like to delve into IMDb and the trivia section anytime we watch a movie. But unfortunately, there was really nothing <laughs> about this movie. So 
If you find out anything cool about this movie, put it in the comments. Let us know. Well, I will say that I I did look up before <clears throat> about the Oslo earthquake. This happened in uh, October 1904. So it's been over 100 years. And, you know, uh, you never know. <laughs> it's the same danger we have here living in L.A., living in California, and the San Andreas, not having a major earthquake in... In so long. In, in 100 years or more on the San Andreas. You know, we just, we just hit 30 years of the Northridge quake. But that, I don't think, technically was part of the San Andreas. I think it was a different fault. I'm not sure. But I do know that the epicenter for that one was actually in Reseda. So a little fact there. Yeah. A mile from Northridge. Yes. But yeah, a big old 7.0 though. I mean, that rocked everything in LA. So... I do think that's really interesting that it was that is like it they're basically basing the timeline and the destruction off of an actual event and an actual seismic possibility. Right. Right. Um that it's been a hundred years. And I they do flash that up on the screen mm-hmm. yeah. at some point. Um so yeah. And then moving on to our drinking game. You want to tell everyone about our drinking game? Yeah, every movie can be turned into a drinking game. At least for us, we have a couple of basic rules for all movies. Doesn't matter what movie it is. If someone mentions the title of the movie, you take a drink. <laughs> Which is kind of hard for foreign films or films that are going to be translated because they don't necessarily, they might be saying the title, but then, you know, titles change like all the, all the, the translation, all the translation. Or the, the the straight up movie title will change. Like Fast and the Furious in Japan, it's called X Speed. Oh, I didn't know that. And so, so like they they don't use Fast and the Furious at all. And so, like if you have characters saying, you know, I don't know if anybody says we're going to go Fast and Furious or whatever, <laughs> but but if anybody says that, it's not going to translate because they're not, you know, unless they translate it to, oh, we're going to go X Speed, you know, so. That one's always hard with foreign films, but still, that is a base rule for all movies. Our second rule is when a character throws their gun after using all their bullets. This is one of my favorite rules because you know it, it happens very unexpectedly. We do happen to watch a lot of action movies, so every once in a while, a character will actually run out of bullets and just throw their gun. I mean, it is they're technically a weapon, and I just... I get so happy when that happens. I don't know why. I get happy too because I also get frustrated when they're using a gun and then they just drop it. It's like useless like useless. that. You can still use it to hit someone on the head or on the back of their neck, but when you throw it, that's just added bonus for me. Like it makes me so happy. Oh, and then our third rule for every single movie is the iconic Willem scream. It's the scream that you've heard every movie. And if you don't know what it's called, just go ahead and Google it. It's W. I-L-H-E-L-M, the Wilhelm scream. It's the scream that you hear go, ah! And then it's usually when people die and it's moved in everything. It's used in everything. It's kind of like a standard library kind of sound. It's in Star Wars a lot. So whenever you hear it, I like to, Lightyear picks it up all the time. 
So that is another one where you can drink. The other one that I told you about, that's not part of our drinking game, but I find whenever you hear generic police radio, like background police radio, 75 Code 6, 105 North Avenue 52. It's a stock sound. And I remember it because I used to play this Spider-Man comic book, like build your own comic book game on a computer, like a video game. And whenever you put like a cop car in the scene, it would use that audio over and over and over. So, and when I hear it in movies, 75 code 6, 105 North Avenue 52. Now you're going to hear it. Watch. So with our three standard rules, this movie will leave you sober. With a caveat, if you want to make the drinkies fun, drink whenever they say Julia. Whenever they call it Julia's name, you will get hammered. <laughs> the Norwegian accent is really nice. So that was The Quake, uh, part of our disaster movie month. And our second pick, there were lots of picks that fit in this genre. There are always honorable mentions because of the fact that we just don't have time to record every single one of these. And so we're going to list them all in a fun little post on our Instagram. So remember, follow our Instagram at Monthly Movie Club on Instagram. I don't think we've done a Twitter yet. There's probably a threads because of Instagram. So go follow us on all of those. Uh, follow us on YouTube. Uh, it's just the audio podcast, but it's totally fun. Um, to do it and if that's where you want to hear it great more power to you follow and subscribe to the podcast um, on apple Podcasts, youtube music amazon music all the places that i've been able to check a box off and uh, you know leave us a comment let us know what you think let us know what you think about the movies that we picked or any of the honorable rewind or any of the honorable mentions or if you found your own disaster movie that you want us to check out. I think it'd be fun. So with that, happy streaming, everyone.